friends, and welcome to this week's edition of Save Our Schools with Dear JCPS. Dear JCPS is a district-focused stakeholder advocacy group that demands accountability and transparency from JCPS through a lens of equity. Save Our Schools Kentucky is a statewide advocacy group that seeks to expose and prevent attempts to privatize our public schools, including charter schools and everything else from the ALEC playbook. Welcome to the December 24, 2020 episode of Save Our Schools with Dear JCPS. Today's program was recorded during the December 21st meeting of the People's Agenda that takes place every Monday at 4 p.m. via Zoom. Jay Adelman, I'm co-founder of Dear JCPS and Save Our Schools Kentucky, and I serve on the board of the Kentucky Alliance Against Racist and Political Repression, and my son graduated from the Academy at Shawnee. Hi, I'm Ivana Vera. I teach Spanish in elementary school. I'm a JCTA member and a member of Save Our Schools Kentucky and a member of the Alliance Education Committee. <laughs> so I usually am here four o'clock on a Mondays. Greg Titchener, a long-term member of the Alliance Education Committee and uh, representative for Louisville uh, showing up for racial justice on the uh, Alliance Board, member of uh, Sowers of Justice and other community uh, social justice groups. And I'm here I, because I'm baffled by how we are still struggling to find a collective way forward. There seems to be so many intersections between collective labor and racial justice, and, and I'm interested in finding paths forward. Hey y'all, I'm back and forth between two meetings right now, but I'm 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 still got one there on the on the on the line right now. It's Kumar Rashad, uh, JCTA, uh, all around the way, everywhere you can, in order to get freedom for our peoples. Just uh, here, just saying about the educational conversation going on in the community, and uh, also representing suburbs of justice as well, and. Uh, just want to um, just stay plugged into uh, community conversations around education, especially. Awesome. Melanie. Hi, welcome. Uh, well, um, here because of we need to organize and do, you know, what, what we're trying to do and, and you know, and, and uh, dealing with uh, what's best for uh, our kids, our families, our students, our families, and um, using our numbers to make a difference politically. Hey, Chris Harmer, um, long, long time member of the Ed Committee of the Alliance, uh, also chair of Alliance to Reclaim Our Schools, and I agree. We want to make sure we get as many groups on the same page as possible. I'm Randy Week, and my main concern for the past few years has been the theft of the teacher's pension, since that affects not only some 120 to 30,000 teachers, active and retired, but the entire state economy. And I think that's evidenced in the fact that the number one priority seems to be for this upcoming short legislative session to undercut what is left of the teacher's retirement. If it weren't so important, I don't think they would have taken it up. In the midst of a worldwide pandemic, when we have many more, more important problems to worry about than that. So 
uh, Gay invited me to this, and I'm, I'm friends with Yvonne from um, Represent Us. And that is uh, why I'm at this meeting. Hey, everybody. My name is Liv. Um, I am a student at DuPont Manual. I'm a senior this year, and I'm a reporter on Manual Red Eye. The reason that I am here is because a lot of the issues that we talk about, in fact, I think all of the issues that we talk about are about the students in JCPS. And I think that is important that one of us is here to give you our opinions and to represent students. We couldn't agree more. All right, um, welcome everybody and thank you for sharing. The items on the agenda, we've got three main topics. Does anybody have anything they want to add to that list before we get started? We've got student assignment, we've got the General Assembly uh, for 2021, and then we've got the JCTA elections coming up. Um, so one of the things that I wanted to just off the top, I am recording this uh, Zoom call. Uh, we've been recording all of our coalition uh, meeting calls and posting them on a website just to uh, be as transparent as possible about the conversations that take place and so that people who uh, miss a meeting or come late or uh, want to get caught up, you know, are just now joining us and maybe want to get caught up to the progress and how we got to this point. Um, those are all accessible, but also uh, for the next five weeks between now and January when uh, the JCPS Board of Education is expected to vote on the student assignment proposal, uh, the proposed changes to student assignment. We, I met with Dr. Polio and Renee Murphy last week, and one of the suggestions uh, was since they still haven't made it possible for the public to speak at uh, board meetings, um, I suggested that, that we solicit three minute videos uh, from the community and have a centralized location where we can upload and make it possible not only for the board members to view these videos with community feedback, but also let the public hear what other members of the public have to say, because that's how we brainstorm. That's how we uh, build on each other's ideas and take into consideration our, you know, maybe some blind spots that we hadn't been aware of, you know, the new proposed changes risk uh, resegregating our schools and we don't really want to create a scenario where we're just going back and forth between one bad scenario and another Brown versus Board of Education uh, rule that separate is inherently inherently not equal so we don't want to go back to the pre Brown v board days what we want to do is take the best of both and come up with a new scenario a third scenario that is better than anything we've ever had um, and the only way we can do that is is to uh, collectively uh, brainstorm community uh, feedback. So Dr. Polio seemed to like that idea, but we only have five weeks. And so uh, one of the venues that I would like to, to do this in is just make it accessible every Monday uh, from four to whenever uh, the, the demand dissipates, uh, be ready to record people's feedback. And so this is really our first one. Um, where this is the intent, one of the intents of the meeting. So if you've got something that you want to make sure gets included in uh, whatever that video compilation looks like, then, you know, let's have a few uh, moments to discuss and, and share uh, whatever that feedback looks like. And then as weeks go by, being that it's holidays and it's going to be hit or miss with people uh, being able to attend our meetings anyway, 
Uh, I'll just continue to host this time, and if people come and want to share their feedback about student assignment, we'll have a dedicated portion of every meeting uh, where, where, we, where that's what we do. And uh, because we have other business on the agenda, um, perhaps we save that for the end. Um, but for today's call, since it's number one on the agenda, I'd like to go ahead and open it up for that type of feedback and discussion. And then uh, if it looks like there's going to be a, a long, ongoing discussion, we can ask to, to save the rest for the end. Um, but I, hopefully everybody's familiar with what the proposed changes are. And uh, we can just open it up right now to have some dialogue around that. Let's go around the room and ask if anybody, um, what, what are your thoughts? Does anyone have any thoughts about the proposed changes to student assignment and what are your primary concerns that you want to make sure the board is aware of? I think this new plan is an opportunity. We have done this in the past. You know, there are people in this city, and I exaggerate about this much, who would slit somebody's throat to get into manual and mail. You know, it doesn't matter where those schools were located. You could put them anywhere you want, and the stilettos will come out. So we've done this. We've created schools that generate demand. And if we do this right, we can do this again. Where, you know, somebody who lives in the California neighborhood does not have to go out to Middletown, or, but still can if they want to, you know? Maybe Eastern is all that in a bag of chips for them. Go you. Uh, but not done right. As you pointed out, we're just undoing, we're just repealing Brown. So I think we need to be thinking about having a high school Montessori. You know, Westport Middle had trouble attracting students until they added the Montessori. You know, my students at Wilder used to almost universally go to camera. That is no longer true. It's evenly split with kids going to Westport because they want that Montessori where there is no high school Montessori. And people who like Montessori really love Montessori. There's a lot to recommend it. So if you had a Montessori high school, you know, you'd be creating a really great program. This is a chance to make up for the sins of Maupin. Isn't Central, doesn't Central have a Montessori program? I didn't think so, but maybe they do. You know, and Central has so many magnets. What's up with that? <laughs> Just share a little of the wealth then. I mean, they've got the vet magnet, the medical magnet, the finance magnet, the law magnet. Um, 
that thing that they have with KFC, I don't even know what kind of magnet that is. And those are just the ones I can think of. Dental. How can I forget dental? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thank you, Yvonne. I, I agree with you 100%. I think uh, yeah, it's going to be a real big problem. I mean, you know, looking at the student assignment plan, we got to look for that equity. We got to look for that equity where people are traveling from the west to the east and the east to the west. And it's not just one side of that as it is. But I think that there's a concern in there, like uh, for me right now, is that I see the student assignment has tried to do a little bit more as far as making that a little bit balanced. But but the biggest issue for me is that it's balanced in a world where there are no schools. I mean, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's. it's it's predicated upon the fact that we're going to build schools. So as it, as for like the right now, my biggest concern is for the right, the waiting game all the way up until the, until the schools are built, you know, it's just still going to be uh, this perpetual problem that we're dealing with. And there's, there's this hypothetical, it's going to be better when every, every school is going to be put on put in the city so that's that's a that's a real hard thing to really uh look at it and definitely to be concerned about yeah i i think my biggest concern is that we've twisted our current education system and and jcps up to the point where a lot of the voice to move back toward brown versus board of education is coming from our West End community, and, and there's a lot of reason for that. It's why, why I keep sending my child out to East End schools where there's so much cultural uh, abrasion uh, with teachers, with administration, with uh, students from East End. And, and I, there's legitimate concern there. And so I I'm concerned that there's a lot of moving parts in education and moving forward. If, if we are adapting this plan, I, I think one, we need to be looking at percentages and, and try to minimize a, a step back, which is what I see us moving toward, uh, toward uh, Brown versus education. But I, I think we need to be uh, very intentional about providing those wraparound services and, and finding ways to staff, uh, schools in the West End and, and provide support services that build communities and, and grow healthy kids uh, much more than what we've got now. That's right. Definitely provide more support to these schools. Cause I know that, uh, you know, uh, to me, I feel like Brown versus the Board of Education was like the worst thing that ever happened to black schools. I mean, yeah, yeah, we talk about segregation or separation or whichever version that we want to do, but, no, really, before Brown versus Board of Education, there were black schools that really had black curriculums and had black teachers that really cared for these kids. And that's what we really need. So we don't need segregation because that's just one person telling me that I need to be separated from you because they have authority over me. That's not the point. The point is that we definitely need to make sure that our home schools, if we're giving people an opportunity to choose a school closest to themselves, that we make sure that these schools schools are, are, are the highest of quality, you know, that, 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 that we're, we're, we're mixing around numbers. And because, uh, you know, the, one of the biggest things is that uh, we have 
all of these expectations and, and, and that's the, you know, we have all of these expectations, but when we don't make our expectations realistic, we all get lost. And that's the same thing as having a completely black school, black principal all the way down to the, you know, black student, janitor, parent, everybody in that school being black. But if that school is built off of a curriculum that is anti-black or is built off of a system that is anti-black that doesn't support black culture then that school ain't really black no matter how many black people are in there you see so we've got to really change the culture just as far as these curriculums we got to still keep pushing these curriculums to reflect our culture that's what we got to keep pushing that for you know i'm, I'm you know me and uh, uh and natalie we working right now we working really hard to, you know just to uh work on ways of getting people to get more representation in our in, in this in this society you know because this is black people want what everybody else want we want democracy and democracy comes from freedom, justice, equity, and representation. And, you, and as I say all the time, you can't have freedom, you can't have justice, you can't have equity unless you had that representation. So that's our main goal in life is getting representation on there. People who look like us, who represent us on these boards. We got people, there's so many uh, black teachers in the school system right now because of us. We do that. And we're trying to find, fight the system in ways that can get more black teachers on there's many systemic racist things that are keeping our people from becoming teachers for having so that we don't have that voice because we don't have that voice uh, uh, as far as uh in in education you know uh we don't have that voice but we need to have that voice and we can only have that voice with more uh representation absolutely i agree i think representation representation is really important and with what yvonne said about manual um, and I forgot the other school that she mentioned, but yeah, I think that's really an important thought because those schools are in, I think, areas that people sort of, I guess, wouldn't expect them to be, like with the amount of money that they get and being sort of in that urban area. Um, I think if we were able to, or the plans for the new schools, if they had magnet programs or some sort of niche that was Montessori or something like that, that made it um, more... Um, interesting to a lot of prospective students. I think that would be a really good step in the right direction. I haven't done a lot of research on Montessori at the high school level, but I think the reality is hands-on learning um, and, and making it a uh, learn by doing kind of scenario. But if you look at Montessori, it's really a lot of project-based learning, which is what they've been doing at that school in Eminence. Kentucky, another one in Union County. You know, we had, we had a lot of project, you know, I will, every, every year when they have that uh, symposium, you know, they always bring down the people from Union County. And, you know, I just lap it up every minute I can. You know, that is kind of really super Montessori, where it's tied to the community, where it's very hands-on, where you're not learning something for the sake of knowing one more thing, but because you're going to use it in order to solve a problem. So, I mean, I think that these are uh, Montessori high schools. They just don't call them that. And an aspect, an aspect of the Montessori is also it's kind of, 
you work at a different pace sort of thing. Um, I'm from Salt Lake City, and my high school tried doing the Montessori with us in high school, and we were like, really? And it bombed. It absolutely bombed because we felt it should have been something earlier. And we were you know, quite a middle-class high school, you know, sort of thing. It's like, but we just, we did diddly squat, you know, in there. And we had a lot of, a lot of our classes were, you know, certainly uh, hands-on projects and stuff like that. So it's like, it bombed. <laughs> That's a state that ranks fourth in national literacy. But, you know, it's like, well, we just thought it was a joke. And we felt that it should have started at a, like a, a younger yeah, I don't think Montessori at its core is built for the older kids, but it can translate there. It can. I think the aspects of it. But I'm thinking like Shawnee High School. Shawnee had a wonderful uh, magnet program that was the, uh, they just had the aviation, but they had a wonderful magnet with the uh, um, hospitality industry, and they lost it. It was a really good program that thrived in the later 90s. I used to, well, I used to substitute out there, thing, but then they, for some reason, they lost that. Um, I know they're working on trying to, that third floor, do something with that. And the uh, ESL moved out of there, you know. So that's a school that can really be beefed up. Um, Chris, I see your hand is up. I want to just tack on to Yvonne real quick, Yvonne's point about Montessori. I think, I think really the more important piece of that is just whether it's Montessori or performing arts or all of the above, the idea is to have compelling programs and uh, offerings at these schools so that there is just as much traveling going on from east and south outside of West Louisville to the West End instead of relying on our families in the West End to be the ones to bear all of the burden of diverse schools. And so uh, the, the, the movement to this new dual resides and building new schools in the West End does risk resegregating our schools. And that's why I think what I'm hearing from the coalition and the work uh, that we've been doing and the message that we've been taking back to the board is that's a good first step, but now let's take it to the next step and actually what are we going to do to flip the script? We don't have to allow our schools to be resegregated. What we need to do is take the burden off of our families that are the most disenfranchised. And so if there's a way to make those schools so compelling that we've still got diverse schools, but they're, they're going to be uh, stellar schools in the West End, West End that are culturally competent and not causing any harm, uh, and not only not causing harm, but repairing the harm. And that was another thing Greg and I talked about this morning. We have to, you, we have to put the word reparations into our vocabulary because uh, there's been harm. There's been great harm done, and it's not enough to just stop the harm. Um, Chris? Um, I agree with what you were saying. I, I think the real problem in, in what they're doing with talking, they're talking about magnets right now is that they're looking at some really interesting magnets in this first initial approach uh, and they would go in the West End, but I'm afraid after that they're going to start saying, and so we need to sprinkle them all over Right. over the district and then we get nothing out of that right. and their only answer to that when i when we raised that was that um, the magnet lotteries will um, be done by drawing somebody from uh, class one class two and class three and then going back and somebody else in class one class two class three from the different um, uh, demographic areas in in the county but that doesn't 
say anything about the hardship of the travel. And I think uh, probably more importantly, it doesn't say anything about um, entrance requirements for magnets, which magnet schools of America say there shouldn't be any. Right. So until we get rid of the, get that, which they're not promising until some future date review of student assignment. And I can't believe after the couple of years they put into this, they're gonna do that anytime soon unless we push it right now. Right. The other thing to speak to, um, uh, I don't know, um, in January, Poe was supposed to be bringing forward, or at least last time I talked to him was, um, a plan to do uh, per, per pupil buildups of individual school funding that was gonna be much more robust in terms of money for um, kids in poverty, ECE kids, but other kinds of programs and really build up from that uh, as is being done in a bunch of other districts around the country, which would pour a higher percentage of money into uh, low income student population schools. Um, and right now that's just kind of, um, Title I, a little bit of Title I money, but we know that Title I only covers about 16% of the, of the estimated cost of the needs at uh, high poverty schools. So I, you know, that's gonna be coming in January and we need to light that up as a big part of this. That if that money doesn't go there, all the talk in the world about how to make these better schools goes down the toilet. Particularly, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming the tax increase will, will survive the appeal process, but um, the more immediate way of attacking this thing is we also need to build up what the real need is in those schools and then proportionally make uh, winners and losers in the schools. And some of the losers will be the high um, paid lunch percentage schools. I think that's the system we have built in place with the starting with no child left behind. We've, we've got in the, in the high stakes testing, standardized testing uh, to measure the success of a school where we're gonna give them the highest percentage of free and reduced lunch, the, the least experienced teachers with the, the uh, least amount of uh, resources being funded. And that's the trap we need to be looking to get out of. And it's, it's pretty clear to me that uh, that's where our public education system stands is, uh, is an underfunding and blame game and blame people for living on the edge that are living on the edge, including teachers that are uh, trying to step in with uh, great intentions, but being overwhelmed with the cultural uh, differences, I think is uh, at the heart of our education system. And, and how do we push past that? Um, Randy, do you want to chime in on student assignment? Sure. Um, it's it's um, commendable that you're addressing this issue. Uh, it's so deeply rooted, however, in uh, past practices which have echoed down through the decades that... Um, I don't want to be a downer, but this is so, so difficult to overcome the legacy of uh, the way this country was originally constructed, that the reparations 
that you speak of would almost have to seem to be of uh, primary importance. And whatever form they might take, I would suggest they take in uh, beefing up the schools in the areas that have been traditionally deprived and uh, circumscribed by redlining and gerrymandering. These are, these are injustices that are so old. I just, uh, I, I feel overwhelmed. And I know I understand the um, uh, assignment plan. I don't want anybody to have to sit on a bus for an hour, hour and a half um, just to re-engineer society. But that's where we are at this time. And, you know, we're, we're struggling to get a few pennies to, to um, increase the property taxes and, and improve some of the schools. So it's just, I don't see much improvement anyway soon. I don't mean to discourage you, but this is um, the makeup of this country. And I look forward to more and more struggles in trying to uh, reverse the longstanding harm that has been done. And to put it all on the schools is, uh, it's an impossible task. That's, I'll leave it at that. Good story. All right. Um, I'm a, let me say one last thing about just wrapping up the student assignment piece of this. Um, if you would encourage people to come on our Monday calls, or if we need to do a community forum that's more accessible than this, uh, that's purposeful and intentional around the topic of student assignment, uh, maybe we could make one of our Monday calls. Uh, I, I believe the technology that Zoom, that my subscription to Zoom has allows me to share on Facebook. So would you guys be even interested in us sharing this meeting publicly next week so that people are seeing us talking and they can click the link and join the conversation in real time? Is that something that uh, people would be comfortable with? I would because that means we're doing things for people and not to people, right? It too. Uh, I, I don't think the timing's great, but <laughs> that's where we are. So I do like that idea. All right. Uh, but uh, I'd, I'd like it to be streamed uh, via Kentucky Alliance if possible. All right. You are listening to Save Our Schools with Dear JCPS on Forward Radio 106.5 FM. This week's episode features excerpts from the People's Agenda meetings that take place on Mondays at 4 p.m. on Zoom. And we are opening these meetings up for the next several weeks for public comment regarding the student assignment plan. If you would like to participate in an upcoming meeting or submit your own video or audio comments to be included in our public forum, please email us at moderator at dearjcps.com. That's moderator, M-O-D-E-R-A-T-O-R, at dearjcps.com. Next up, General Assembly 2021 uh, starts January 5th, and it is a 30-day session, and there is a break. Does anyone want to talk about what, what they anticipate being on the agenda for uh, the 2021 General Assembly and what some of your concerns and, and ideas and thoughts are, and I'll work on finding that calendar. 
I think that uh, Ralph Alvarado and Jason Nemus have made their agenda pretty damn clear. In 30 days, they want to bring about backdoor vouchers, cut funding to education in order to do so, uh, begin tax reform where we get rid of the prop the uh, income tax and go to a regressive sales tax because we know that taxes should be the poorer you are the higher percentage of money of your income should go to taxes and uh and see how badly they can mess with the uh with the pensions throw the new teachers under the bus as much as possible and then back up the bus so they have two sets of tire treads. Did I miss anything? I think that's their whole agenda right yeah, there. That pretty much sums it up. If <laughs> and where is the education to the JCTA collective to say, we can't keep giving ground for organized labor and expect good things to happen. Uh, that That's where I'm struggling the most. And how do we push our national NEA to be taking the stance that it needs to take moving forward? I, I think we've got some, uh, and I think we're seeing Biden and and uh, newly elected uh, officials, they, they need to be moved in that direction. And we can't keep playing the game. <laughs> exactly. Losing. <laughs> right. There are other states with, you're all sitting down, right? With worse legislatures than ours. I know. You're thinking, Yvonne, <laughs> do unicorns and worse legislators exist? But indeed they do. Not the unicorns but worse legislatures. And look what's been happening in Arizona. I mean, they had people who make, you know, Samantha Maddox would just be one more and Damon Thayer wouldn't even be the craziest people in the Arizona legislature, not by a far piece. So, and yet, Look what they've been able to do. So when you fight, you win. We cannot throw in the towel, especially on the new teachers. I'm an old lady, and I'm going to be out of here in three years. But you know what? The young people, that's the future of this profession that I love. One third at any time. One third of JCPS are new teachers. If we throw them under the bus, when they come for you, for us, and you know they will, look what happened in Detroit. You know, first they came for the weakest unions and the next one and the next one, and they saved the cops and the firefighters for last. There was nobody who didn't get screwed on that deal. First of all, you shouldn't throw the new teachers on the bus because it's the wrong thing to do. But if you're not moved by morality, be moved by political savvy and expedience. When they're 
when one third of your membership, five years from now, one third of our membership will be under this new system. And should they raise a finger for us? No, I don't blame them. We didn't do jack for them. Why should they do jack for us? This is the best way to destroy the union is to throw the new teachers under the bus. This is nonsense. For sure. Over, exactly. First of all, it doesn't save the state any money. That's why Bevan couldn't release his double secret assessment. It just takes money away from the pensioners to give to donors on Wall Street. And the evaluation showed that plain as day. So here they're going to come up with the same thing. It's not going to save the state money. It just reshuffles who it takes it from the undeserving teachers and gives it to the deserving millionaire hedge fund managers. Because that's happily ever after in David Osborne's brain. Um, I want to add to what Yvonne said and how there are terrible legislatures all over the country. And uh, what's frustrating to me is that Kentucky um, has had a lot more lead time and a lot more warning of what was coming. And we were winning. We were fighting them off. We were winning. And here we are three or four years, I think, into a pretty successful fight. And we're just going to like give it up and quit fighting when we were winning. And it, it really just feels like uh, all that energy, um, instead of carrying it forward, when, when, when we've got more energy now than we've ever had in, in, in our history, uh, there seems to be no um, effort to use that energy to end this onslaught of, uh, predatory practices once and for all. We know what's happening. We have all the right language. We have all the right people. We've done a hundred dress rehearsals. We know what to do. And now we're going to just tuck our tails and let them do it to us. That doesn't, that doesn't make any sense at all. Kentucky, Tennessee, it's too late. It's too late to save Tennessee. It's not too late to save Kentucky. Why aren't we? We saw this whole COVID situation develop and there was so much we we heard from teachers throughout the state that were afraid to even post anything of questioning return on Facebook for fear of retaliation and so much of our public education system statewide is is um, predicated on that fear of re retaliation and and you got to watch out for your button JCPS too as well uh, but that's how the system's being held in place, and uh, we need to figure out some real strategies forward before it's too late. Kumar, I, I saw you say we needed written policies. I'd, I'd love to hear more on that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's a... Uh... It's, it's, it's two things, two things I want to say, yeah, on the written, first, before I go to the written policies, is that uh, I think that the people, people, um, well, this is the part where we, we really need to push the educational point for, for, for people, because I think that uh, 
as Gay said, I think we did have a lot of momentum going into, and I think that momentum was really subsided as soon as uh, Bashir's inauguration hit. I think that a lot of people, that was the culmination of all their work. It was like, cause I know I knocked on at least 400 doors myself. And you know, uh, you know, uh, and I think that once that inauguration came, it's like everything. People, people always look at the the supposed top people. They look at your mayor. They look at your governor. They look at the president. But none of those people make laws, and that's the problem. Is that we're we're not getting our people focused on the laws and the policies. We got to get the people focused on those, like you know, all the laws that uh that we see that are coming uh, in this general assembly. I feel like, you know, people who are on this right now, you know, are the participants on this call right now, we know that uh, a lot of these things are coming down. We know they're getting ready to hit us with these tax scholarships. I'm trying to do, but I don't think the public knows that at all. I think that we're in an elite uh, educational group of our own and we know these things and we're not raining down on the people like we're supposed to be or whatever the terminology. I don't know what that is, but um, but, but but we're not doing that. But as far as, you know, you know, I see, uh, I see that the, uh, I saw an article, actually it was in Sunday's paper. It was talking about uh, Alvarado and trying to get elected with a Bevin. He was a joke. Well, not, anyways, but he, uh, but, but, but him uh, trying to get those tax scholarships. And I know I, I saw that uh, Brent had responded on um, some levels uh, saying that, you know, basically we, we're, we're squeezed way too tight to be giving money away. So there's fight going on on the union level. There's always fight going on as far as with lobbyists and everything else. But as far as when we need the, the, our union to push further in, in, that, in that aspect, what we wanted to do, specific, because it's, it's, it's a lot of things we say we can push further, push further. What, what the hell does that mean? But yo, what does that mean? And what that means is somebody's got to sit down and write on a piece of paper, yo, I think our union should do so, 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 so enough. And if it's a righteous cause, that shit should have been given to me like 12 million years ago so I could push for it. That's what that should have been. I mean, it, it's really just that simple for real. We got a board meeting coming up in January. What are the policies that we really want to push? What do we want to say? Okay, here, I make a motion that JCTA pay, take a public hardcore stance on blah, 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 blah. You see what I'm saying? That's what, you know, and if we say that and then we push it and it's righteous, then we have to take that stand, whether it be on social media or be out in the public or we're doing a news interview, but we got to be, you know, but, but, but I think that, you know, I keep I keep wrestling to myself on what what I plan to do on my immediate future and things like that. But I really feel that at this point, at this stage where I am right now, that uh, if there's something that I believe in, uh, I truly feel like I, I can push it, no matter what it is. I feel like I can push it. So. That's what I'm saying. We need these written policies. I don't have all the policies in my head and what I would like to have written down or say all the time. But once I see it enough and if I believe in it, I'll add to it or subtract to it from it, whatever. But then, you know, push. 
push us Twitter. That's all it is because we have a lot of ideas. We have a lot of uh, messages, but until that pen hits the paper, none of that means anything. Can I ask you, Kumar, and I'm new to the whole uh, national logistics. So if there's a proposal written and it to JCTA and it looks like a policy worth pushing for nationally, can that be pushed up to NEA and yeah. pressure Absolutely. on them? Oh, it, it can. It can. Because here's where we're at, a, we're at a level where we can push it up, you know, because well, number one, I'm with JCTA and KEA, so it can be pushed up to uh, right. uh, local and state. Uh, our DA is in April, maybe the second week of April this year. I think they pushed it back this year for some But anyways, but and then we have our RA, our national, uh, um, um, you know, representative assembly this summer, last week of June, first week of July usually. And uh, so, yeah, all those policies that we push, like, uh, are become national. A lot of policies that are being uh, are national have been pushed from here. Like we started a, uh, a, a, a policy where for the national that, you know, it's like, hey, you know what we do, we recruit uh, minority teachers, especially black and brown. But uh, I, on a national level, you know, it was just a bunch of talk until we created our, our new business item that required them to create a pilot program, which would take 10 states as a pilot and have two people as recruiters for a whole year in those 10 states. And then we'll expand it at the following year. See, those are things that's putting the rubber to the road that they, hey, we need to really get something done. And this is what we're talking about. That, you know, that had to be written out on paper. That was the policies that I was just talking about to create something new or to subtract something that you don't want. However we want to change, we got to write it out and then push. Thank you. Yes, sir. Can I ask um, regarding the new teachers and the pensions, uh, has JCTA come out strong and said, there's no way in heck we're going to let this happen? Or are they kind of saying, well, you know, because I had heard that, that uh, there's kind of more of some language going around that it's going to be brutal and we're going to have to just take some of the hits and, and not, not fight. And I, I don't know. No, if that's actually that. I don't believe in that at all. That's bull. I, I don't, we only got one life to live, live it. If you feel strongly about something, you feel strongly about that, but you, you know, you, you feel strongly about that. But at the same time, the, the reality is that we, we are going to be working with a lot of people who do some, do and many don't have our best interests so we have to take that so but but i'm not i don't think that we have to sit here and uh no 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 the only, right. only person we supposed to bow down to is god and that's about it so uh i you know and so 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 as far as that but as far as uh you know as far as the new teachers uh jcta stance on uh jcta hadn't really even taken the stance on the new teacher pension yet uh, it hasn't really, it's, it's kind of milk toast right now. I'm not really seeing um, any action on that right now. Well, and past experience tells me that if it's not coming from the top saying, yes, this is our stance, no matter what the individual teachers do, it's not going to gain any traction. And uh, in fact, nah, no, no, not at all, not at all, not at all. No, nah. because at one point uh, there was a, a, a session where, uh, you know, right when we were doing that fight about uh, 
about them trying to uh, make uh, Breckenridge Metro combine it with uh, uh, right. Minor Daniels. Yeah, Minor Daniels. I'm not trying to combine us with that. You know, they were going to go ahead and push that, but we had all these conversations with, with really just uh, me and you, Gabe. We had a lot of most of those conversations around that. And, uh, you know, at one board meeting, I just put the motion out there that JCTA is going to take a public stance against that. And from that, the board making that public stance is bigger because the president is compelled to do what the board says, just like the governor is compelled to do what Congress tells them to do too. So in that aspect, you know, the JC, you know, I got, uh, as soon as we made that motion, I got a call that night for, from a couple of board members from JCPS who were concerned about that and wanted to hear a little bit more about that. Yeah. It, no, it's, it's really, it's, it's, it's a, it's a threefold process if people really understood the power, uh, uh, far enough. Number one, the biggest body, of course, is just the PRs at the meeting. Uh, any motion made at a PR meeting cannot be overturned by the president, nor can it be turned overturned by the board of directors. Uh, they're the, 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 the strongest body because that's all the people. That's democracy right there. The second is the board of directors. You know, the board of directors can make you know, policies and, you know, share it with everybody else. And, and, and um, you know, really, I would say even underneath that would be the president because the president can suggest policies but can't really create them um in a perfect world you know that's the way it's supposed to work but um we know that leadership always has a way of you know do, do, do doing doing what they you know just just making things happen but really uh really is just really just about the bodies that really just make it all and we really got to focus on people in the PR meetings coming up with policies and adopting them. We got to focus on people in the boardrooms coming up with policies and having those adopted. I mean, I feel like we've got a freight train coming at us uh, with regard to a uh, state legislator in the pensions and, and unless JCTA or some other uh, KEA is going to make a stance to say, no, we feel like benefits toward new teachers is going to help us attract the people we need. Uh, it's going to roll through. And uh, so I, I come back to you on a next step question, Kumar. Uh, just was really responding to Kumar. I'm not, not a teacher. I don't know JCTA processes. Is there no process to develop a legislative lobbying priority system? Or is that just in the void left up to Brent and, and the upper level of folks? Because what I heard Kumar saying was if you bring something from, from the reps, uh, that that can be put on it. But that's not an integral part of the, that council. Uh, their job description basically is to come up with those things and feed them up. Yeah, see, that's 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 the part. Uh, that's good. That's a real good question, and that just really goes back to the part of the power that people don't understand that they have. You know, when we're at these PR meetings, we discuss all of the legislative, all of these legislative issues. We discuss them in the depth that people want to. So people, um, you know, in, in in those instances, people offer their feedback. They're able to give to tell us what they would like to do about those issues. That's actually the time right there to actually take a stand and say, hey, we want to be 
put ourselves on the line as being firmly for or firmly against this. And that's, those are the times to do that. It's really, really in those PR meetings when we're discussing legislative issues or like I said, even in the board meeting where we're discussing uh, legislative uh, issues. Well, I'm so new to the game as a as an unofficial alternative uh, building rep, I, I don't even get the invites to all the RP meetings. So, uh, but I'm a concerned <laughs> teacher citizen, and I'm I'm uh, confused to why they're in more of a stance when we've got this blitzkrieg coming from a different direction to say, okay, this this pension stuff. Uh, we don't know about it and, and we're gonna do away with it for any future hires. And and I'm just, I'm scratching my head as to where is my union leadership to uh, oppose stuff that's gonna put us behind for years and years. Uh, this is Randy. Could I chime in here? There is a basic problem with JCTA and that is it is under the same leadership that has been there for 20 years. It is the same crew that muscled through the elimination of term limits. I have been around for 22 years and I have seen this situation decline. Back in 2001, a quote family got its hands around the neck of JCTA and they've had a grip on that organization for the last 20 years. And it has been apparent since 2004 that this pension is under assault. The former president of UofL, Ramsey, suggested to Governor Patton that they begin to tap the funds of the pension with the eventual goal of repaying those funds but taking those funds and putting them into current projects. Well, they never repaid those. And so the pension fell behind in its um, contributions, which should have been given or made up by the Kentucky State Legislature. The actuarially required contribution has not been honored according to current GASB standards. That's the General Accounting Services Board and this legislature has basically lied and JCTA has gone along with those lies because of the contributions that end up in these political action committees, which are such as BSK, which are actually run either overtly or covertly by the current leadership of JCTA. And until that flaw is addressed, and you get some new blood in at the top. And in my opinion, it's high time for a woman or a person of color to begin to represent the teachers in Jefferson County. This problem of not having strong policy positions and not addressing the legislature, we were even, and Gay and I were labeled as rogues by the current leadership of for uh, staging sick outs. We organized sick outs and that's what really got the uh, legislature to back down from the previous attempt 
to convert this pension plan to the hybrid and throw the new teachers under the bus. So people that are new to JCTA need to understand that there is a group of people who have been in power for over 20 years and have witnessed the decline of the pension are namby-pamby, toast, self-enriching, and that is why JCTA and, of course, by extension, KEA, which is so dependent on the largest teachers union in the state, that is why no strong positions are taken. And these PR meetings, I used to be a PR for a good seven years. You go to those, they feed you, Brent says a few things, and then basically they're, you're dismissed. And that's sort of ineffective. And so I formed an organization called the Teacher Retirement Legal Fund to file lawsuits to protect the pension. We've done three of these. And that, along with sick outs and people taking to the streets and going to Frankfurt and storming that capital are really the only times I've seen the legislature buckle. They assume right now, because of COVID and teachers being homebound, that we're not going to do anything, so we don't have to take these hits, but we do need strong leadership, and we need a change of leadership at the top of JCTA. Um, you know, I, I, I can't really, you know, I, I, there is a process for doing everything that we want to do, and I just think that, uh, you know, last time we went on strike, we went on strike because of this pension issue. We, we, you know, we, we were going on, we were fighting for uh, the new teachers to have the same pension that we had. Bring back term limits. Amen. Amen. I just want to note that on January 7th marks my anniversary of living in Kentucky, 33 years. And in all of that time, I have never seen the presidents of four unions get together to denounce a governor, not even Bevan, to denounce legislation, to denounce anything. But JCTA, SEIU, AFSCME, and, uh, and the Teamsters got together to denounce the teachers that went on strike. They were not winking and nodding as they've done in Arizona, West Virginia, Wisconsin, Chicago, Massachusetts. They were peeing their pants that their membership had more balls than they did. Here, here. Shut up now. We gotta be smart. We can't just be like. Oh, they have to be smart. They didn't have to be craven. You can be part of the People's Agenda meetings every Monday at 4 o'clock on Zoom by emailing us at moderator at dearjcps.com. Have a great day.